You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. I hope you guys are feeling filled up and encouraged and blessed to be here. Um, We're making our way this summer through some preaching just on the essential ingredients of what makes up the church. Um, A couple weeks ago, I shared a message. We We talked about the irreducible minimums of church or the essential ingredients with this thought and this picture that Stacy, who's sitting in the front in the bright yellow t-shirt, had brought into a a meeting where we were talking about this. The idea that when you take something like, let's say, a balsamic reduction, right, and you reduce it down to its essential ingredients, you actually get a more potent sauce. You get a stronger flavor. And the idea that when we really get hold of what are the essential ingredients that make up the church and hone in on cultivating those things, we can expect to have a more Jesus-flavored expression of his church in the world. And that's what we want to be at Life Tree Church. Can I get an amen? amen? I love that I can say that now. I just be like, hit like on Facebook, you know, or something. And uh, so good to hear your guys' voices. Uh, And so it's really, we have this belief that if we can hone into simple church versus complicated church, we can actually increase the Jesus flavor. And those three essential ingredients that we want to be focusing on are worship, community, and mission. And we just want to spend this summer looking at what those, what those things are. What does it mean when we say worship, when we say community, when we say mission? And why do we want to talk about the church and understand this? Because we really believe that the church is God's hope for the world. We believe that the church is actually the means by which God intends to renew things, to make the world a better place, to bring transformation, to bring blessing to the world. And so we really believe that if we can better understand who it is that we are as the church, we can better express the church in the world. We believe that the church is called to act as a light in the darkness. And we believe that that is better done by that light being spread out throughout a city rather than, we, we were talking a few weeks ago, I don't know if you remember this, but I talked about Christmas lights, right? And you have one little light all along, a bunch of little lights along a string, along a wire, and it actually lights up a lot more when you spread them out rather than they're all tangled up and bunched together. And there's something on us as the church of Jesus called to be out in the city. We really here at Life Tree desire not to just put butts in seats, which it's great to have butts in seats here today and faces, you know, together, but put boots on the ground in the streets of our city to see people in the seats of the spheres of influence in our society acting as the church out there expressing the kingdom. So we really believe it's not, it's not about how many people we can gather into one place, but more about how many leaders we can send out, how many participants in the mission of God we can send out into the city. 
And we come here in this moment on these Sundays together in this big expression, hopefully to be filled up, to be encouraged, to be strengthened, but to be sent out. We say it often that we see Sunday as a launch pad, right? And it's okay if you come to Sunday like straggling to an oasis in the middle of the desert. That's okay. But the intent is that you get filled up so you can go out and continue to be a light and a blessing in the world as the church of Jesus Christ. And so our goal this summer, like I say, is to understand these essential ingredients. And today I want to talk about worship. When we use this term worship, what are we talking about? What are we referring to? What is worship? Because in our contemporary church setting, oftentimes when we say worship, we think about what we just did for the last 30 or so minutes, right? Singing songs. And singing songs is great. And singing songs serves a purpose in helping us worship. And maybe we'll talk a bit about that later. But worship is more than just singing songs. Anybody in here been in church long enough to remember the Matt Redmond song, Coming Back to the Heart of Worship? I see some nodding heads. We've got some people who've been around for a while in the room. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's the line in there, Lord, I'll bring you more than a song, right? The whole essence of why we sing is in order to get our hearts captivated with who he is and what he's like. But rather than just look to Matt Redman to define worship, let's look at the Bible this morning, okay? Romans 12, verse 1 to 2, well-known verse Uh, should come up on the screen, but as we read it, I want you to ask the question of what does this scripture tell me worship is? And I want you to be prepared when we're done to share some of what is shown through the scripture with the the person next to you, or maybe you want to shout it out for all of us to hear, okay? But we're going to try to be interactive because we can do that. Can I get a hallelujah or an amen or a, like, like, you don't, I don't know if you guys understand how it was preaching to just a camera for so long. It is so good to have people like hear Wade laughing. Come on, Jesus. Uh, Yeah. All right. So here's the scripture. Remember, what is worship? Here's the question. Paul says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So what is worship? What is worship? You can keep the scripture up there. Put verse 1 up there for now and just keep it up there because I don't think you put the whole scripture up at once. Um, Sacrifice. Living sacrifice. What were you saying, Mom? Offering ourselves. Surrender. It's pleasing to God. What about the next verse? Put, the, put verse 2 up there. Any other things stick out to you connected to this idea of what worship is? Transforming nonconformity. All right. So here's what I, I want us to catch this morning. I want to highlight some of these are being said already. 
I want to look this morning at worship as surrender, worship as resistance, and worship as response. I really wanted an R word for the first one, but I just didn't have one as good as surrender. So I thought about repentance, but yeah. Uh, worship as surrender. Someone said release. Did someone say release? That's a good one. Why weren't you with me when I was preparing my sermon, band? Come on. Worship as release of control. How about that, right? Worship as resistance. Worship as response. So worship as surrender or release right here. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You realize when Paul wrote this to the people of that day, his contemporaries, when he said living sacrifice, this would have been a very vivid image to Jewish people and pagans alike, because they were all familiar with animal sacrifice as a part of their worship. But to say, present yourself your body as a living sacrifice was this very vivid, compelling image in that day. And I find it interesting that he says, present your body as a living sacrifice. Why do I highlight that? Because in our body, there is that connection to all of yourself, spirit, soul, and body. But I think it's really unique that he says body because the worship that we're called to as Jesus followers is never simply just a feeling in our heart. It's actually to be expressed in how we move these hands, these arms, these legs, these lips, how our body actually acts and behaves in the world is worship unto God. The true and proper worship that Paul is talking about has everything to do with how we live our life in this world but primarily in surrender to King Jesus. I was so stirred as we sang that song at the end today. It's just about him being, you know, King of Kings. That's the name of the song. And I would define worship as surrender to Jesus as active Lord of our lives in response to his goodness and his love. You see, we all surrender our lives to something. We all are worshiping something. You may not have ever thought of it in those terms, but we surrender our lives to all sorts of pursuits. It could be sex, it could be money, it could be power, it could be addictions, or maybe it's career, or maybe it's a reputation that we're going after. There's so many things that we treat as the ultimate Lord and master of our lives that we seek after and we pour our energy into and, and the very lives we're living are focused toward the pursuit of that thing, whatever it may be. But we're called into worship of Jesus. Jesus is Lord. And when Jesus is Lord, everything comes into order. Everything else falls into its rightful place. It's not that all those other things listed are bad things, but good things become gods when we make them ultimate things in our lives. And I would say this, when we're thinking this in terms of the church, that there is no true expression of the church where there is not a group of people seeking to make Jesus the active Lord of their lives the active Lord of our community. And the key question that's at the heart 
of worship is, God, what are you saying to me? Jesus, what are you calling me to do? When you see Jesus, whether in the Gospels or you hear the voice of his Spirit speaking into your life, what is he saying? What is he calling you to in how you live and how you behave? He's got to be Lord in the church. It's what the church is built upon. This is foundational to who we are as the church. Right? Like the scripture I read two weeks ago, Matthew 16, where Jesus starts talking about building his church. He does so in response to this question, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And it's in response to that recognition that Jesus is the Messiah, the chosen one, the sent one, the Lord of all. That he says, it's on this that I'll build my church. On that understanding of who he is. So worship as surrender to Jesus as Lord. What about worship as resistance? Verse 2 that we read, do not conform to the pattern of this world. When we worship, when our heart is in that place of surrender to Jesus as Lord, we are actually resisting the pattern of this world. We are resisting to be conformed to it because what is the pattern of the world? It is essentially you're Lord of your own life. Do whatever you want. You choose. It's your life. Nobody can tell you what to do. Nobody can tell you what's right or wrong. You define that for yourself. But worship is coming to that place where we actually recognize Jesus as Lord and King. And when we do so, we are actually resisting conformity to this world. Because see, what's wrong with the world essentially is just this thing that the Bible calls sin. And when sin is introduced to us in the very beginning of the scriptures, in Genesis 3, the very core essence of it is questioning God's command and questioning whether he's really good and has good intent in his commands. The snake comes to Eve and says, did God really say not to do this? Right? And the enemy of your soul is okay with anything being Lord of your life if it's not Jesus. He doesn't matter, it doesn't matter to him what it is, as long as it's not Jesus. And so when we actually come into that place of surrender to Jesus as Lord, it is the antidote to sin. It is the thing that, that actually sets us free. We find freedom in surrender to him as Lord. And we actually... There's this amazing thing that happens when true worship is taking place in the life of a person or in the life of a community, even if just for a moment, heaven is expressed on earth. The reality of heaven that Telsey read to us about at the beginning of the service, which is in Revelation 4, where they're singing and they're praising day and night before the throne. When we come into that place of surrender to Jesus as Lord, we are expressing the reality of heaven here on earth. And it looks like kindness and love and joy and peace and serving one another and looking out for the interests of others above ourselves and all those type of attributes that look like King Jesus. But the first step 
to us actually restoring this world to being as it should be is worship. The heart of surrender to King Jesus. I love to point out this thing. Lucas said it last week in his message. That, that John 4 tells us Jesus isn't just seeking worship. Or the Father's not just seeking worship. The Father's seeking worshipers. It's people whose hearts are aligned to him and his purpose. Or surrendered to him. That's his mission in the world. And we'll talk more about this in the weeks to come, but I really see how worship as the foundation for the church is what community comes from. And it's also what mission comes from. And it's also the aim and the goal of mission. I mean, the culmination of the mission of God in the earth is a people delighted in him above all other things. Well-known preacher John Piper says, worship, sorry, missions exist where worship does not. The purpose of mission is leading people into a place of utter delight in Jesus and surrender to him and his ways. And last thing I said, worship as response. This is right in the first verse where Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, Offer yourselves, your bodies as a living sacrifice. But it's in view of God's mercies. It's not something that we just muster up in ourself and, and, and go, I'm just going to submit to Jesus as Lord because it's the right thing to do. God never gave us, I say this often, just principles to follow. He gave us a person to follow. Namely, Jesus. And when Paul says this in view of God's mercy, what mercy is he talking about? Cross, which he spent the last 11 chapters of Romans explaining. His 11 chapters of the work of God, of redemption in the earth, and, and reconciliation to God, and freedom from slavery to sin. And in view of that mercy, present your bodies. God as a living sacrifice. We often get the idea that we can just, you know, know what's right and then set ourselves to do it. That's just not how the gospel works. The gospel always comes back to this place, like again and again, the scriptures say, behold, look, right? It, it starts with actually seeing him for who he is for how good he is. And that's why singing does play a big part in worship. Because when we sing these songs, we get reminded of these mercies, of this goodness, of this love, of this glory, that he's for us and he's not against us, that we're no longer slaves to sin, we're children of God. All these different truths that we sing about, we don't just know them in our head as truth, we feel them in our heart when we sing. And the intent of that is that we would live a life that looks different because of singing these songs together, because of looking at these scriptures together. You know, Jesus welcomes anyone to come and follow him, but it's only those with wholehearted devotion who can actually stay. I mean, he makes so many statements in the Gospels, right? If you don't deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. There's this 
full giving of ourselves to him that he calls us to, but it's the best place for us to be. And it's the purest expression of worship. And it is essential for a church to be a church as Jesus intends it to be. I remember hearing a story from a a well-known preacher, Tim Keller, about a woman that he met in his church who was listening to him preaching about the grace of God, the free grace of God, the abundant grace of God, the lavish grace of God. And I can say I've had similar conversations with people here, but, but this woman really got it. She said to him in her conversation with him after the service, she wasn't a believer yet, and she just said, like, if what you're saying is true, about how good he is, how generous he has been in his grace and his mercy towards us, then he's worthy of my whole life. And she was, she was stuck in this place of like, I don't know if I'm ready to accept this as true. Because when I accept this gift as abundant and generous as it is, the only reasonable response is giving all of myself to him. I mean, the very word worship has in its core the same root word that we have in worth and worthy. And it's about seeing that he's worth it, that he's worthy, that there really is nothing better. And the more deep that gets in our hearts and in us as a community, I believe the more pure potent, Jesus-flavored expression of the church we will be. Whether in this big gathering or in all the smaller gatherings and missions that we long to see happening in and through this church. I was like so grateful a few weeks ago we had this Serve Saturday thing that we did on June, uh, what was it, June 26th. Next one coming up August 22nd. Uh, Would love for you to be a part of it. But we just went out and we, we helped uh, clean a beach. A team helped clean a beach. Another team helped prepare meals that are in the freezer ready for people in need. Another team that I got to be a part of went and helped a single mom move her house. To me, when we get to do that, man, that's worship. That's worship, community, and mission all wrapped up into one. And it's so much fun to be a part of. And you see the impact on the lives of people who are re- on the receiving end of it. I think of Joanne Brown. She's not here today, but she's pouring her life out to care for others. We got a phone call from Jeremy Fast uh, a few weeks ago about a woman who's single mom who she just needs someone to help her with childcare. And Sonia, you you met with her as well. And they, what all she needs is childcare to help her get on her feet. And my understanding is Joanne's been twice a week watching this lady's kids, so that she can get stabilized in life again, get working again. A bigger story connected to it. Hope to hear it continue to unfold. I'd love to have the woman being sharing her story someday with us. But it sounds amazing what's happening with this simple act of providing childcare, offering her body as a living sacrifice to the Lord. You know, I think to myself, okay, so if worship's more than singing songs, what does it look like for a community of people to live and surrender to King Jesus in response to his goodness and his love? And I think to myself, Bible study. 
Simple as that. Putting Jesus front and center, listening to what he teaches and says through the scriptures. But there is this aspect I keep thinking about these days that Bible study has to then lead to Bible practice. I think we should have Bible study and Bible practice be a thing we have together. You can't do Bible study without Bible practice. But that's, the point is, is that as we keep Jesus central, keep the scriptures and what he's spoken and revealed central, that is an act of worship. Whether here, whether in a smaller context. Serve Saturdays is an act of worship. Confessing your sins one to another is an act of worship. New missional ventures that King Jesus might be speaking into your heart is an act of worship. A career change may be an act of worship. Or career endurance (laughs) might be an act of worship. Raising your kids upright in the ways of God is an act of worship. Choosing to make that phone call that God pops into your mind or send that text message, hey, I was just thinking of you, can be an act of worship. Inviting somebody to lunch and serving them can be an act of worship. Whatever King Jesus is saying to you and responding to it is an act of worship. And it always comes from this place of in view of his mercy and his grace and his goodness. Not out of duty and obligation, but from that response of you've just been so good to me, God. Responding to your call, to your voice is the only thing that makes sense of this life. And so I want to leave you with just a question that I really believe is at the heart of worship. And I already said it before. The question is, what are you saying to me, King Jesus? What do you want me to do? And that may be through the voice of the Spirit speaking to you, but it may be from your reading of Scripture. Or it may be through the singing of a song. That something hits you. However he wants to speak to you, he has many means and ways to do so. But that heart of worship is more of a posture of our hearts and our our life toward him. That, God, this body is yours. What do you want to do with it? Amen? You got to keep Jesus central. I just want to close in saying the reason we're talking about this, I know I said this at the beginning, but the reason we are talking about this is because when I look out across this room and our church family that makes up the Life Tree Church family, I see a collective group of leaders, church leaders, people called to express the kingdom here in Victoria, to spread abroad the knowledge of God's goodness and love and mercy and grace. And I really believe that the more Simply put, we understand what the church is and who we are, what we're called to, the better we will express that. So we're going to continue on this summer in this exploration of what is worship, community, and mission. 
and how they work together for us to be an expression of the church in the city. So why don't we stand up? I just want to pray together. I guess I should have invited you. You're, you're, you're welcome to stand up with us. Thank you for standing. But if you are in agreement with this, just this desire to be a person who, who lives in surrender to Lord Jesus and is a part of a community, whether leading a group of people in surrender to King Jesus, you can just put your hands out. You can posture your body however works for you. But Father, we just say, we confess with our mouths that you've been so good to us. You've been so kind. You've been so merciful. You've been so gracious and generous toward us. And we say here together that you are worthy of our lives. Can we just say that together? Jesus, you're worthy of our lives. You're worthy of my time. You're worthy of my money. You're worthy of my thought life, my hopes, my dreams. Father, we say we want to see your kingdom come. We want to see your will being done in Victoria. We want to be a part of that people that you have called out to express your goodness in this city. And Lord, I ask that you would speak dreams, ideas, creative wisdom into the hearts of your people of what that might look like. And give them the courage, give us the courage to speak out what you're saying. And to put time, effort, and energy in response to it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Lifetree Church Sermon of the Week. At Lifetree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Lifetree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.